0: It's already started. (laughs) And I say that because here's the deal. Um, We are about to open up a can of stuff today. (laughs) Fill in that however you want. We're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. Um, Anytime that you engage in a conversation about spiritual warfare, uh, it's a time in which you uh, need to make sure you're are completely aware, aware of what's going on around us. Um, and here's the deal. Uh, God has given us everything that we need to engage in spiritual warfare. All right, so here's, what, here's how we're going to do this. Over the next few weeks, we're taking a, a pause in our Luke series. Um, we're at a good you know, a, a pausing point. We just finished the first uh, six uh, chapters of Luke. We're going to pause for a couple weeks. So actually probably four-ish weeks, three or four weeks, depending on how um, long I, I draw out the, the, this series, but it's going to depend upon how um, the Spirit moves in different areas. But what I want to do is I, I've broken it up into three main sections for us to kind of get an understanding of what the armor of God is and, and how we're supposed to use it and all that. So if you're the, the note takers and you want to uh, know what the next few weeks is going to entail, uh, three main areas. One is why do we need it, it being the armor of God. So we're going to look at verses uh, uh, 10 through 13 of, of Ephesians chapter 6. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20 is the whole, it talks about the whole, whole armor of God. So the first area is, is why do we need it? verses 10 through 13. Uh, The second area that is where we'll spend a lot more time is what is it? When I say what is it, what is the armor of God? And we're going to take and we'll break down each piece of the armor of God and um, look at each piece uh, and what it it stands for, what we're supposed to do with it, how we're supposed to use it, and all this stuff. So that'll be the the second part. And then um, what do we do then with it? like the full armor of God, that's going to be 18 through uh, 20. So that, I'm going to get that out of the way, and then we'll, we'll move into today's lesson on spiritual warfare. Because spiritual warfare answers the question, why do we need it? If you got a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. For some... Uh, for some of you, this may be old hat. This may be uh, something that uh, you've been over many times. You're very familiar with it. Some of you, this may be the first time that you've ever heard any type of teaching on um, the, the, the armor of God. Uh, but here's what I want us to, to understand and what I want us to um, a- accomplish. Um, if you don't know what the whole armor of God is, you are going to not be able to live an effective Christian life. And, and I don't say that where if some of you are like, well, I don't know what it is. That means I'm living an effective Christian life. You're not living the life in which God has intended, intended. Now, I don't say that to, for you to, to be like, oh, woe is me. No, no, no. I, I'm going to say that and then we're going to address this and we're going we're to work through this all. Because I understand the, the whole armor of God is something to be a command, not a some sort of suggestion. So, With this, we're going to look at... Let's just look at the first few verses, and we're going to answer that question, why do we need it? So, Ephesians chapter 6, verse uh, 10, it says, "...Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Pause. Um, the guys, when we were praying this morning, uh, you know what? Who, 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 who? Right? That's awesome. <laughs> that is Bill. <laughs> I love it. I'm even more excited now. <laughs> Because here's the deal. The guy said this morning they didn't play that song either. I wish they would. That would have been awesome. Who let the dogs at right? So, (laughs) the guy said, "You're awful excited this morning. I I am excited. I'm 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 amped up because I know, I know for a fact, that the devil is shaking in his boots." Because we are going to talk about spiritual warfare and by when we, so so when we are talking about spiritual warfare, we are directly um, preparing and arming ourselves to engage the enemy. So is he going to use any tactic he can to make our minds and, and to distract us? You better believe it. So everybody take and make sure your cell phones are off, whatever it may be. But he's going to want to distract us. But what we have to understand is spiritual warfare is a a real thing. Uh, Let's get this out of the way. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's really real. Spiritual warfare is not something that um, we should take lightly. Because uh, what happens with understanding, uh, with our understanding, and and I have in my notes here, that the enlightened Western mind sucks. Hear me for a second. Because what has happened since this great awakening that we've had in, in our um, uh, uh, in, in our society back you know a few hundred years ago in this um, understanding what the enlightenment is and um, how everything is supposed to be proven by science we've kind of dumbed things down where if we can't physically prove something then it doesn't exist. Well, you can't physically prove, prove faith. That doesn't mean that faith doesn't exist. So our minds have been, been a little bit contorted, and we don't even know it. And I say that because there are, um, there are uh, people, brothers and sisters in foreign lands, in the, mainly in like the eastern part of the world, when you talk about spiritual warfare, they get it. They believe it. They understand all of what is happening better than we do. So don't think that we're sitting here in in our American society and thinking that, hey, we're just smarter than the indigenous people in Africa because the the reality is they probably understand spiritual warfare better than we do because it's how we're programmed. So what we need to understand, it is very real. It's really real. Now, with this, what we have to understand is there are um, two main errors when we talk about spiritual warfare and when we talk about um, the the demonic realm and we talk about uh, the the devil and and such. Two major errors. Two major errors. I love how C.S. Lewis, he puts it. um, He identifies it as there's a, a, a gross underestimation or there's a gross overestimation. Of the demonic or, or of spiritual warfare. He writes this in um in the introduction to screw tape letters. He says, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race, that means us, our race can fall about the devils. When it, the devils meaning the, 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 the demons of the spiritual demonic realm. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. So, so think about this for a second. And, and I don't want you to raise hands, or, or, but I just kind of think, where do you fall into this, um, this category? it's that that well maybe you you disbelieve that they exist, or maybe you know somebody in your in your life that they they disbelieve in the uh the demonic realm, therefore they disbelieve in the supernatural because i i 'll say this I had this conversation uh yesterday with with some guys about the supernatural because uh, i don 't know if you guys seen. Uh, I think it was like, the I don't know, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, whatever it was, up at the town hall or the S- historical society here in Atwater. They had a supernatural uh, discussion. They were talking about, you know, the UFO sightings and the, the ghostly pre- whatever. And they asked me, what do you think about that? You don't believe in that kind of stuff, do you? Because you, I know you're, you're a preacher and all. I said, no, I actually, I believe 100% in the supernatural and what I understand the supernatural to be, there is a, a, a demonic force. There is an evil supernatural, but I understand also that there's a good supernatural, and that's our God. Okay. And this is the the, the this is where people try to they, they try to back you into a corner here, and they try to to, to say, well, yeah, you you're a Christian, you don't believe in, in that kind of stuff, and and, and some people, yeah. I, Rightfully so for, for, on their part. They, they think that we don't believe uh, because we don't give a lot of attention to. So they think that we, we grossly underestimate the demonic realm. But no, what it, what it is that, that I believe that every Christian should do is we shouldn't grossly underestimate and we, ne- well, we don't need to grossly overestimate it. We need to find that balance in the middle. Because if we act like it doesn't exist, That's bad. But if we put so much focus and time and effort into learning, that's what people say, I just want to learn more about this. I want to study this so I'm better prepared. Well, if all of our focus is on the demonic and this understanding of, I just want to really know what ghosts and apparitions and everything is, what that does is that takes your eye off of the one true God, the supernatural focus in which we should have, and puts it on the supernatural focus in which we shouldn't have. And that's what C.S. Lewis is saying here. He, he says that, that, that there's, this, there, there's these two errors, so there's two ends of, of this spectrum. Don't, we, we don't need to be on the, I'm, I'm ignorant about it, but then on the other end, we don't need to be so enamored by it. we got to be in the middle. And I, I think that, that that's what I want us to, to um, establish today with, with starting understanding um, the armor of God. Because it all starts with understanding why we need the un- armor of God and understanding what spiritual warfare is. L- look here, what, what, what Paul talks about. He, he, he says here, um, he, he answers a question on when we're, we're diving into the spiritual warfare on who we fight. L- look here, he says in, in, in verse uh, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Pause for a second. This wrestling, some of your translations may say struggle, but what we have to understand, think of like a cage fighter grappling on the ground for his life. Like they're in intense struggle, intense wrestling a match. This is UFC at its greatest, blood is flying. It's just a ball of mess. All right, y'all got that, that mental image? That's when it says, it, that's, that's the wrestling that takes place in spiritual warfare. Any of us in here that have any incl- inclination of what spiritual warfare is, you're already saying, yes, that's exactly what it feels like when you're in spiritual warfare. You don't know which ways up, which ways down. You don't know where the blood's coming from. Here, Paul says, it's not flesh and blood that we, we wrestle against. So now this is not negating that, that, that people don't have, um, uh, that, that the devil doesn't use people or situations to attack Christians. It's, that's not what it's saying. What he's saying is um, here that we don't need to look at a person to say, well, that's who I'm wrestling. No, it's sin. It's, it's the devil. It's his demons in which we are wrestling. It's evil in which we wrestle. Very, very, very clear. Now, and he goes on to say, and, and I love this because he says it's not against flesh and blood. It's not You're not fighting against, I'm not fighting against Bobby. He says it, but it's against rulers and authorities and, and against cosmic powers and pre, uh, the present darkness over against the spiritual forces of evil. He says that, okay, it's not flesh and blood in what you're, you're, you're facing and what you're wrestling against, but it's much greater. You, you see that? He's emphasizing this here. Don't let us fall into, the, but, uh, into the, the overestimation, but he needs to make sure, and he's making sure this is very clear. I want you to know, he, he's saying, okay, press into this because this is so vitally important. I, I'll say this, your life depends upon it. At the end of the, and this is why I'll get, I'll get amped up every time because your life depends upon it. And maybe it's not your physical life. Maybe in some aspects it is. But your eternal life depends upon it because, look here how he starts out this last, um, uh, this last instruction. How do I know this is his last instruction? Because like any good preacher, he says, and to close with, or finally, and then he goes on for you know a bunch of time, right? He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Understand who he's talking to here. He has just, the Apostle Paul has just laid the gauntlet down on the, these first, or the, the previous five and a half chapters on distinguishing who is a, a child of God and then being a child of God, what you're supposed to do, and he's, he saves the best for last, I think. He says, finally, here's what's got to happen, be strong in the Lord. But he doesn't just say that. It's not me just looking at Bobby saying, okay, you're a Christian, Be strong. No, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Your strength, your power, my strength, my power does not come from me. It comes from the Lord. I love how Paul says in Romans, you know, greater is he who, who, I'm sorry, he says in Romans where um, the the one who raised Christ from the dead is the same, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of you. The, The apostle John says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. We have to understand, I don't live under my own strength and my own power. That doesn't mean I'm a weakling. Dudes, hear me on this. You know this. Being a godly man doesn't mean that you're just a pushover. Being a godly man means that you are seeking after the heart. I love that song, the last song you sang. That line in there, it says, break my heart for what breaks yours. A godly man prays that prayer, and that's hard. Dude, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have had your heart broken? It sucks, right? And when you're asking God, break my heart for what breaks yours, you're engaging into that, that warfare. That's what, 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 what our cry should be. Um, I, I told the guys as we were getting ready to, uh, to pray earlier, we have no animal instinct inside of us. I don't care what science, says. we have no animal instinct inside of us. We are made after the image of God. What we have inside of us is a warrior instinct. Warriors need to be equipped. This is why Paul uses this imagery of the, the, the armor of God. Because we need to be equipped for battle because this battle in which we face is very real. He says that, that be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And then he says put on the whole armor of God. We're going to talk about pieces of the armor of God, but he says, "For specific, he specifically says this to start out with: put on the whole armor of God." Why does he say that? Well, because there's a lot of Christians that are running around the battlefield naked with a helmet on. Okay, what, what do you mean? Well, we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation. It'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. So we have the helmet of salvation. I'm saved. I'm going, I'm going to heaven. Yes, okay. Absolutely. But if you run around naked with the hel- just the helmet on, leaving the rest of you exposed, I don't want to have that mental image. Don't be th- thinking about that. <laughs> right, too late. I got it. I, he, here's what I think, what, what I, hopefully I can bring this back in here, what I imagine is, um, so the football team, uh, Waterloo's football team, uh, a few weeks ago started their two-a-day practices, and they always start with, uh, with their, their practices with helmets only, so you see them out on the practice field and everything, with their helmets on, going through all the drills, if they were to just show up to their first game with just their helmets on and no pads on, it probably wouldn't go well, Right? In the same essence, that's most Christians is we're running around. I love Jesus. I got my helmet on, but you're naked from the the neck down. Paul says here that we have to put on the whole armor of God. Some of you are are, are sitting here and you're thinking, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but maybe I, I don't always feel that way or my life's really not reflective of that. Well, I'll say this. This is where the ineffectiveness comes in. When we don't put on the whole armor of God, we are running around with just a helmet on, and we're trying to engage in spiritual warfare with just a helmet. We have no breastplate. We have no belt. We have no sword. We have no shoes. We, we don't have all of the, uh, the parts of the uh, armor of God that we need to engage in this spiritual warfare. So, of course, we're going to be in, ineffective. If I were to give Bobby a Kevlar helmet and say, hey, go get the enemy with no gun, no flag jacket, nothing else, probably wouldn't go well. I, I think, and this is how I think in the same essence that the Apostle Paul doesn't say, okay, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. <laughs> go get him, boy. No, he says, be strong in the Lord, the Lord in the strength of his might. And then he says, here's how you're equipped to do this. I I like that he he does identify the who we fight, but um, I I think most importantly is uh, the what we fight. The what we fight. It says here that we fight against the devil's schemes. Some of your translations may say the wiles. What that means? The fancy Greek word just means the, the 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 method or the strategies of the devil. We know for a fact that the devil has strategies and schemes, that he has ways of going about affecting you. Ways in which that that, that he knows where these little holes in the armor, and he knows how to get to you. Here the apostle Paul says, okay, this is what we're fighting against, the schemes of the devil. We don't want to uh, be, um, we, we don't want to underestimate the enemy, but we don't want to overestimate the enemy as well. Because what we don't want to do is, we do ne- never want to put uh, the devil and his demonic, um, as, as uh, uh, Dan says, his unemployed angels, right? That's what fallen angels are. They're unemployed angels. So we don't want to ever raise the, the devil and his army to the stature or, or the level of God and his army. Never. Not even a comparison there. So what we do, though, is if we overestimate, we're, that's what we're doing. We're raising up like there's, there's an equal force of good and evil. There's not an equal force of good and evil. God has overcome evil. It's not equal. The devil is just, he's, let's just say this, he's crafty. He knows how to get to us. He uses these strategies... There's a, um, a, an old theologian, he wrote down, there's like 50 or 60 uh, different strategies, maybe even a little more. These strategies are devices that the devil uses to um, infiltrate, to penetrate into the Christian's life. And, and I think that, that as... Um, as I was looking through these and as we're, we're understanding that spiritual warfare is real, I think that we need to, we need to identify some of, these, uh, some of these devices, some of these strategies of the devil. Not to say that we have an excuse of why we act and what, like we're acting, why we're doing what it is that we're doing, but so we can identify, so we can say, like, like Jeremiah stood up here. I mean, it takes a man to stand up here and say, you know what, I'm messed up. I was, you know, I was confronted on it, and I changed it. It's dealing with that. A lot, of, a lot of you sitting here, you know that there's something in your life you need to deal with. You won't even deal with it with yourself, let alone stand in front of somebody and say, hey, this is what happened. we, we got to stop that. What we're doing is we're letting the devil have control over us. Remember, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world? The devil, yes, the devil has, um, he, he has influence on us. But as I read the Bible and as I understand it, that there's no sin that Jesus didn't pay for on a the cross. There is nothing greater than the blood of Christ. So why do I say, well, I'm just, I'm a slave to this sin? Because you want to be. Don't let it happen anymore. Now, I'm not saying it's just like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And No, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. But remember, it's not on your own strength. It's in his strength, his might, his power. This is where we have to continually go back to. So in these, um, in, in these schemes, in these strategies of Satan, don't hear these as, okay, these are, are uh, areas in which you can just you know, wave this flag, yep, that's me, and then not do anything about it. If I say something and, it, and, it, and it, maybe it offends you, good, do something about it. I mean, don't rush the stage, man. I'll, I'll, this thing's portable, <laughs> i hit you. Bobby may have a hurt shoulder, but I know my brother. If somebody comes up here, he'll, in pain or not, I mean, he'll take it down. Um, I already wore, warned Jacob earlier. He was up here sitting in Bobby's seat. I said, do you really want to do that? <laughs> no, but understand, as I go through these, I, I think that we need to understand what, what, what is being looked at. Because these strategies, I'm going to break them down into two main categories. The, 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 it's going to be one is temptations, and the other is accusations. Temptations and accusations. Because temptations, essentially what it does is it gives you too high a view of yourself. And then you do things you shouldn't do. Accusations, on the other hand, gives you a too low or self-hating view of yourself. And you go and do things you shouldn't do. So temptations and accusations. Let me break it down like this a little bit more. One, so temptations, one is uh, um, through too high a view of yourself, and it, what it does is it puts too low of a view of God's holiness. So what we do is we, we diminish God's holiness, but we elevate God's love, and then we, we justify what it is that we do. Now, accusations, on the other hand, what it does is it, it makes us, we have a, a lower view of ourself, but then what we do is we um, elevate uh, God's, his, uh, his holiness to a, a, just a, such a, an extent that we can't, well, i never attain to this. And we forget about and we diminish his love. You see how that, that, that works? Temptations, what we do is we don't look at at, at um, the, the, the love of God at all. We only look at, at, the, at the, the holiness and, and vice versa. Um, or I'm sorry, it, it, uh, I just confused myself. With the temptations, that's why I have notes. With, with the temptations, what we do is we view God's holiness, too low of God's holiness and too high of his love. With accusations, we switch the, the, the scales there. Let me give some examples, and, and this will, will make better sense. Let's look at temptations. Let's look at these devices, these strategies that, 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 that uh, the, the devil uses. And, and I'll give you even some uh, The device, and I'll give you a little, in some of these, I'll give you a little bit of a self-talk, like something that you might think to yourself or say to yourself in one of these uh, situations. Uh, The first temptation, what the devil does is he shows the bait, but he hides the hook. All right? This is a temptation. He'll show the bait and he'll hide the hook, which which what this means is he gets you to look at the short-term pleasures, but he hides from you the long-term miseries that go with it. He gets you to, to to bite the hook, bite the bait, and where the hook is, and then. But w- w- if we're a fish, we bite that that bait. Man, that looks like a nice big juicy worm. I'm going to bite it. Then all of a sudden, shoop, I'm in somebody's frying pan. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to entice us with the short term, where we don't even look at the long term. Here. Here's another thing. This is huge. I think this is one of. If I don't know, this is a, a major one. He gets you to rationalize sin as a virtue. Let, let, me, let me explain here for a second. Give me, here's some self-talk. This, maybe this is something that would, uh, uh, you would say if you were in this category. And this one hurts me a little bit. I'm not really greedy. I'm just thrifty, okay? So it's taking a, a sin and making, no, this is just a good virtue. Here's something else. I'm not really nosy, I'm just concerned, <laughs> right? How about this? I'm now—I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just sociable. And you could go on and on and on and on and on about this, right? This is taken and getting you to rationalize your sin as a virtue. It's—it's it's, it's minimizing. It's minimizing what we have to do. And the devil, what what he's doing is he's giving you this this low view of God's holiness and saying, it's all right. I mean, mean, God really still does love you. Here's another one. Showing you the sins of other Christian leaders. Okay. I'll I'll use you as a scapegoat. Is that right? Fine. Cool. I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, but showing you the, the sins of other Christian leaders. Well, he does it too. Well, no one's really perfect, right? No one's really pure. Well, if he, if he, if he falls, I mean, then it's okay if I do it. No, that's, that's a temptation of the devil. That's a scheme. That's a strategy. How about this one? Overstressing the mercy of God. Overstressing the mercy of God. Maybe your self-talk would be this. Do it. God will forgive you. Instead, this is, I, this is one of my pet peeves. We'll, we'll, you know, instead of asking for permission, we'll just ask for forgiveness later. No, that's stressing God's, that, that, that's overstressing the mercy of God. To be obedient to God is not to just, I'm gonna live however I want, he's gonna forgive me in the end. No, the Apostle Paul says that that don't let your liberty use that as a freedom and just to sin and just to live however you want. I'm saved by grace, so there's nothing that's gonna happen to me to take me out of heaven. You're right, but if you truly understand the payment that took place for that grace, you're not gonna wanna live in disobedience. Disobedience is going to be what what, what disgusts you. How about this one, the fifth one? The devil, what he does is he... uh, he makes them bitter, makes us bitter over our suffering. Here, here, here's, here, here's what the self talk would be I've suffered, so I deserve this. This has happened to me, so it's okay that, this ha- that I do this. I put so much time and effort in for this, so I can, I can get away with, with doing this. It, it doesn't work that way, that's a temptation. Six, showing Christians how many bad people seem to be having great lives. This is one we can look at TV and everything, and we might say this, I might as well do it. Playing by the rules doesn't pay off. Well, look at the life in which they're having these Hollywood dreams and everything. No, that's what the devil wants us to do because he he wants to show Christians that, you know, if you play by the rules and you're really not going to have, man, you're going to suffer and you're not going to have anything. Look, your neighbor over there, they're they're driving a a brand new uh, pickup truck four by four. I mean, they're not Christian. They don't play by the rules. So why would you have to play by the rules? This goes back to the garden of Eden. God really doesn't want what's best for you. He's just holding you back. It's a temptation. Number seven, this is the last temptation. I got a couple of accusations. When I say a couple, I mean four. Um, so temptation, huge, 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 huge. Getting you to compare one part of your life to another. Getting you to compare one part of your life to another. Here, here's the self-talk that... that uh, um, that we could see. Look, I'm very good over here. You know, I do all of this, um, so it's okay if I do all of this over here too. I'm a really good person, and, and you know, I I uh, I helped 18 uh, old ladies cross the street last week. So it's okay if I have a pornography addiction. It's it's like we're trying to barter with God. I'm really excelling over here. So this sin, don't don't look at this sin, God. Don't look at that! Come on, it doesn't matter because look how great this is. That's a scheme of the devil. That's entrapment. God is not. When God watches David Copperfield, if I don't even know if David Copperfield still does this thing, but God is not going. Ooh, I wonder how he did that. Watch this. Let there be light. (laughs) <laughs> do that David. I mean say it, right? No, but but God is not into this bait and switch. We cannot get God's attention to look at all the good that's going on over here and have him ignore all the bad that's going on over here. But the devil wants us to think that we can do that. That's spiritual warfare. So those are temptations. Let's look at uh, some accusations. Remember, accusations is too low of a view of his love of God's love too high of a view of his holiness so basically what it is is we 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 want um we we, the devil wants us to just basically feel like crap because of what we're what we're doing like you're not worthy of okay let's do this what does he do the devil, how he, how he accuses us is what he does is he causes us to look more at our sin than at our Savior. Is sin bad? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But if we focus so much on our sin and not on our Savior, the devil wins. Don't focus so much on that sin. Should we address it? Absolutely. Absolutely, but don't let the devil win because I, you've heard me say this 100 times before. The devil's going to use godly advice to do damaging things in your life. Well, the pre- preacher said, I don't need to focus so much on my sin, so you know I need to just focus on God. No, it doesn't mean that we just like, turn our eyes away from it. No, we need to address it. This is what's going on. What do I do about it? I'm gonna look to God. God, what would I do? How do I, how do I overcome this? Don't let, don't let the devil think that, hey, or don't let him cause you to, to look intently at, oh, what do I do? What? I suck. Oh, I'm terrible. God doesn't love me anymore. No. No. Next one. This is a hard one for some. The Satan causes Christians Satan causes Christians to obsess over past sins that have done damage that can't be undone. You cannot change the past. Let the past be the past. Now, if we just let the past be the past and we don't do anything for the future, that's that's wrong. That's bad. But what the devil does is he wants to bring up all of this damage. You damaged this person. You hurt this person. Yeah, okay. And he just wants to bring you down. He wants to accuse you of all of that. You can't do nothing to change any of that. What you can do is not repeat it. Don't let him accuse you of that. Next thing. Satan, what he does is he tries to make Christians think that the troubles they are going through must be punishment. This is a big one for people. You know, this wouldn't have happened unless God was mad at me. Now here I want to draw a line. Does God discipline those whom he loves? You better believe it. But the punishment was paid on the cross. The punishment for sin has been paid. So God is not punishing you. God is disciplining you. And if he doesn't discipline you for sin that's in your life, ask this question. Hear me on this. Does God love me? Everybody says, Well, God loves everyone. Okay, here's the deal God disciplines his children as a father disciplines his children. Are you a child of God? Well, everybody's a child of God. No, they're not. The Bible says they're not says that all have given the, been given the opportunity to become children of God. We're all creations, uh, the creation of God, but we're not children. It takes a confession. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What do you say? You're saved into the family of God. You therefore become a child of God. If you are in the child of God, the Father must discipline you if you sin. If you're not getting disciplined for your sin, ask yourself, am I in the family? That's not something I, 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 I want to get excited about, but I think that that's important. Because I have the conversation with so many people, I don't really know if I'm going to heaven or not. You can know without a shadow of a doubt. So, what I was told when I was, when I was growing up, without a shadow of a doubt, you can know. That means there's no room for error. You can know. I can know. What we don't need to do is think that God's punishing me now. It's No, I'm, I'm one of his children. I'm being disciplined through this. Last one. This, I think, is where... This is where most of us live at one point or another. What the devil wants to do is he wants Christians to think that you couldn't possibly have this inner struggle or these feelings if you were truly a Christian. You, you couldn't. If, you're, if you have any doubt, I mean, you couldn't have, you're not really a Christian then if you have a doubt. If you were, you know, if you were a real Christian, you wouldn't be having these thoughts and these desires. That's what the devil wants you to think. He wants you to think that you're not something that you are, or you are something that you're not. Bible's clear. Bible's clear that we can understand who we are. In Christ, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Do we struggle with the old things? We do struggle with the old things because the devil brings those back to our remembrance. But that's not who we are. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm victorious. I'm an ambassador for Christ. (coughs) It doesn't matter what anybody says or what anybody does, they're not going to change my status with the Lord. You cannot jump out of or fall out of the hand of God. It doesn't work that way. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit, by the promise of the Holy Spirit. So when we have these thoughts or these doubts or whatever, I always like to go back to this. John the Baptist. We know who John the Baptist is. We talked about him in, in, in Luke a little bit. John the Baptist, the, um, the forerunner of Christ, the one who said, um, prepare the way of the Lord, make the, make the path straight. The, the one who says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The one who says, okay, this, this guy, point to Jesus, this guy is the Messiah, that's his whole ministry. His whole life was for that purpose, to point to Jesus. When he got into a struggle, into a, a tight spot in his life, what did he do? He had some doubt. He, he tells his disciples, he says, hey, go, go, go ask Jesus if, if he's really the one, if he's the Christ, if he's the one that we've been waiting for. Now, does that mean that, that, that John the Baptist didn't really believe in, in, in Jesus, didn't really believe in what he was doing? No, what that shows is in a time of struggle, and a time of weakness, the devil knew where his hole and his, his little chink in his armor was. John don't need to think. I, I'm 100% convinced John is in heaven with his cousin Jesus. But what the devil wants you to think is because you have doubt, you're not really a Christian. No, here's this. If you have doubt, Investigate that. Why is that? Maybe there is a little hole in your armor that you need to fix. Maybe your, your, your belt of truth is a little bit crooked and you're leaving yourself exposed. Well, whatever. Whatever. Don't think that as we we, we look at and as we talk about spiritual warfare over the next few weeks and and how we're to engage and, and everything in it, don't think that this is something that is unimportant and this is just preacher talk. This is important to every single one of your lives, it's important to my life. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, uh, Lord, we opened your word, we, we, we jumped in, we dove in, we, we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, God, my prayer is that, that, that your point um, was made clear that spiritual warfare is real, that we need to not think about it as something that is um, not affecting our lives, but at the same time that it's not dictating our lives either. God, let us engage in this correctly, God, let us understand that you've already won the battle, or you've won the war, but we still have to battle this as we're here, but you've equipped us for that. Lord, I I ask that that, that we don't let the, the schemes of the devil, the strategies of the devil have reign in our life, but God, that we identify them, Lord, and we do something about them. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father, we thank you. Spirit, we welcome you. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing.